The landscape of North America's networks is rapidly evolving. New technologies like 5G carry a lot of promise to redefine the way we do business, learn, and connect with one another. But we're not there just yet. From the budget to build, software to secure, and Spectrum to support all use cases regardless of locale, a lot needs to happen before everyone can tap into its fullest potential. Tune in to Nokia today, where we discuss how policymakers, enterprises, and industry leaders are working together to bring today's network capabilities to scale for the future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nokia Today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and I'm thrilled you've joined us for another episode of the show. Now, today we're discussing private wireless, so we're looking at what it is, what it enables, and how it differs from other solutions. And to do all of this, I'm speaking today to Sean Sparling. He's VP of Enterprise for Nokia Canada. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. I am as well, Sean. And so let's uh, let's kick things off. Let's get things started. And uh, let's just go with the most basic of questions there is, just to get us all uh, on the same page. What is private wireless and what is it primarily used for? So when we look at private wireless, we're looking at it from um, what is essentially having a reliable, secure, private 4G or 5G network um, that allows a, an enterprise to control the system, you know, deliver the performance that they want to, keep their data controlled within their network um, with the security that they want and the, the uh, quality of service they want. So it's leveraging what everybody knows today as 4G or 5G in commercial networks, but it puts it in a private context. So it just gives, it gives the, the enterprise you know, a lot of flexibility to add any kind of device that they want to, um, high bandwidth, low bandwidth, um, but leveraged, you know, that large ecosystem that's out there um, developing against the 4G, 5G networks that exist today. So what industries are you seeing um, adopt mobile private networks at an increasing rate? Where, where are you seeing these things um, be be deployed more often? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's been interesting. We're, we're really seeing it across all the industries. Um, you know, some of the, the first movers would have been in the mining space. Um, I mean, years ago, well, if I go right back, you know, with private private wireless solutions for the rail systems across Europe and Asia. Um, but really, you know, we're seeing mining was one of the first ones to to really go. They have a you know a large area that they need to provide communications in very remote areas. And so we we started in that sector, right? Open pit mines, but. Really, it's moved into rail, to manufacturing, education, um, utilities is a big one, like protecting our grids, making our smart our, our grids smarter. Um, so there really isn't an industry that we haven't seen it, um, but I would say mining was the first movers. So when it comes to, to enterprises, why should they be looking at, at, at private networks and what do they deliver and how can they really help uh, with industrial organizations' digital transformation as more and more um, enterprises are looking to, to transform themselves in a digital manner? What private wireless um, is built around is around 3GPP, 4G, and 5G. Um, and so with, with these systems is a large ecosystem of devices. Um, but not only the devices innovative, there's also the innovative solutions around them, whether it's for autonomous vehicles, um, you know, in agriculture or autonomous vehicles in the mining sector, 
um, ro robotics, you know, so you can have the device, but then there's the ecosystem built with it and the solutions with it. And so um, the private network can leverage this, right, and address whatever the industry requires, right? It's not, um, when you put in a network, it's not just for one use case. So, for example, if you might put in a wireless solution for, you know, the manufacturing floor, right? And when you do that, Nokia, we did that in our factories. And what that does is allows for a very flex flexible floor space, right? You don't have to call up IT and reconfigure a network if you want to move, you know, something on your manufacturing floor from one part of the building to another part of the building. It just gives you ultimate flexibility. Um, and because, um, because 4G and 5G have quality of service, you can have different priority of the different traffic on the network. Once you've put that in, you know, that system into place, now you can just layer on application upon application, whether it's push to talk, right, voice over IP, whether it's a robotics, security, tracking. Um, so it really becomes, you know, all of the communication networks can now start to be um, layered over top of, you know, that first application. Um, and you just get further and further returns on that investment. Because of that prioritization, you can have, you know, very simple data traffic all the way to, you know, highly critical, mission critical traffic that you know has to, you know, happen in your network, whether it's for a robot or whether it's for some emergency situation. So, yeah, just a great flexibility around the whole solution. So some of the talk that I've heard would suggest that uh, the, the the resulting productivity from the third industrial revolution was disappointing in terms of what what productivity was created. How can f Industry 4.0 produce greater results and how can, um, and maybe, maybe a better question is how can private wireless help enable Industry 4.0 to produce greater results than what we saw previously? Yeah, so if you look at the, you know, the fourth industrial revolution, um, basically, it's an era of, you know, smart machines, storage systems, production facilities that can autom autonomously exchange information, right, trigger actions and controls. And so um, what the private wireless allows you to do is to bring all that data, right, across your network in the timely fashion that's required. Some, some of the data might be, you know, longer term data. You don't need it right away. Other data you want um, immediately. Right, so you can act on it immediately. But um, the more and more information you bring across the network um, in the right timely fashion, now you can start to all that data can now start to interact with each other, and so you can bring in, you know, over the top solutions that leverage that that device or that information from one part of the network or IoT device with another IoT device, and automatically make decisions whether it's from a safety point of view or from, you know, um, autonomous vehicles to uh, anything that you're looking at doing. So, um, yeah, so I do see um, it as a critical part because information and IoT devices is a critical part of, you know, Industry 4.0. So... Uh 
as we have these these sorts of conversations, what makes now the right time to invest in Industry 4.0? When, when you when you look at it, and some people might say, you know, is now the right time, or or should I wait? Should I hold off? You know, I, I hear more about other technologies that are coming soon. Uh, what what makes now the right time to to invest in uh, in, in the future and in Industry 4.0? Yeah, so this one's this one's an interesting one. If I look back, you know, four years ago at what you know what it took to deploy a wireless network, it was really you know racks of equipment, um, engineers that would spend you know a couple of days integrating a network, putting it together, um, and putting it in place. So it's very expensive, and then of course you had to maintain it. Um, what we're seeing now is because of virtualization, because of automation, for example, we can put a private wireless network in place in a matter of, you know, under an hour, right? Um, plug it in, turn it on, and away it goes. And, you know, the size is a small server, right, with all the radio heads. So um, whereas before the investment was a lot higher, today, um, the, you know, the solutions are available it's it's there, and the, the, those moving first are the ones that are going to be increasing their productivity, reducing their costs, right? Driving increased safety um, across the network. So, um, you know, for example, we had we have use cases where um, because of the the communication network, if a power line, you know fails and before it hits the ground the system can you know measure the failure get it back to the to the you know the systems making a decision and actually turn off the high power line before it even hits the ground and that's all there because of the speed of the communications even though it's in you know a very remote area right so um you know being the it's it's more the the ease of use and the um the ease of deployment that it really is now that um, it's a very cost-effective solution for uh, companies to invest and really you know start to understand um, how they can increase the productivity and safety in their networks and their and their industry. So when did Nokia first begin deploying private wireless technologies? Kind of uh, give me a little bit of uh, the background of the origin story as far as uh, how Nokia fits into the picture. Sure. I mean, and this one was a, you know, I think I spoke to it a little bit, but way back, and I'm going to say 20 years ago, we put in private systems for the rail industry, right? So if you, if you look at Asia and you look at Europe, the whole signaling network for the train systems across them is a private wireless solution. Okay. It's, it's the 2G version, right? But those industries really needed a communication. Um, so what's happened is, through the years, um, as we saw the virtualization, then you really start to see, you know, more and more industries coming to play. And so about four or five years ago, we first started to see the mining industry start to take that up. They had, you know, they spend a huge amount of money um, in an area. And so the, the cost advantage for them to put in a private network, um, they could afford to pay, you know, the... Those kind of costs at that point in time. But now, um, as we get into really a, the plug and play and a very easy system to manage, um, 
we're, we have private solutions in schools. We have them in um, manufacturing sites. You know, large automotives are looking at it, how they reconfigure their lines easily, right? We have um, smart agriculture utilizing it. So in remote areas where there's, you know, poor communications, you can put in a private wireless network, and now you have full connectivity across the agricultural space. Um, so you, you, you name it, those industries are now starting to address that. And so we're, I think last year alone, we had over 300 private wireless network deployed, um, and that number is just increasing. So um, the ecosystem is there, the ease of use is now there. So um, and who knows what's to come because, you know, we might put in the, we're putting in the foundations of the communication system we're putting in a system that you can develop applications against and deliver, you know, to the end customer. But um, the ingenuity and is, you know, endless from different small, medium companies that can deliver, you know, end solutions to the customer across the network. Um, and so I think there's a huge opportunity, not just for, you know, enterprises to start getting into it, but also you know, the government around creating, you know, an ecosystem of innovation um, for small, medium companies to utilize. So there's a few places here in Canada where we put in our 4G, 5G network. Um, and that allows, you know, the small, medium enterprises to come in, develop applications against the solution, and then take them to their customers. Um, so... Yeah, well, it's an exciting time for the, the whole industry, and um, we'll see what we'll see what comes from there. And one of the things you were you were talking about earlier, Sean, when when you just kind of discussed how private wireless can can make a difference in these facilities, is that it, it can empower robotics, automation, that sort of thing. I was wondering if you could go into a little bit more detail about how this technology really helps enable greater automation throughout facilities, which can you know improve efficiencies, drive costs down, and really modernize uh, you know a lot of these facilities that that you're going into. Uh, can, can you kind of explain that in a little bit more detail? Sure. I talked a little bit about, you know, moving the factory floor around just because you don't have to reconfigure the IT, right? But if we look even at the, the robots themselves, um, with the robots moving arms all the time, there's wear and tear to all the cables, right? So you have robotics companies looking at 5G for connecting even the robot, right? So that you don't have any wires throughout the robot itself that fails, right? So increased, you know, uptime. Um, if I look at a warehouse, um, you know, from the second, you know, a pallet of equipment comes in the door, you can measure, you know, what is on that pallet, how that pallet moves throughout the, the factory or the warehouse, right? Tracking, you know, the people you, you would have tracking of the people, the, the, the robot or the forklift, the contents, and even correlate that to ensure from a safety point of view, no person comes close to a, you know, a forklift moving down. Sure. To, you know, to the, you kind of just continue down that road of, you know, information from a, from a security point of view. Um, video, right? If I look at, um, 
search and rescue, right? We have drones that fly on the 4G, 5G networks. Well, why do you want that? Well, from a search and rescue point of view, you can have live video of the video feeds, right, with thermos. So now you can go out and you can process, you know, that video live with a fleet of drones for search and rescue or security around an airport or security around a building. Um, you can deploy video cameras anywhere, bring them across the network and, you know, process um, analytics against that video um, and take action. So a huge array of, you know, activities that can happen just from yeah, a cohesive communications network in a building. Um, and, you know, 5G is it's a global standard, right, with a very large ecosystem of companies developing devices against them. And so while we're at the early days of 5G from a device point of view, you're just going to see a proliferation of, um, of them over, over the coming um, timeframes, right? Whether it's point of sale devices to um, cleaning machines in a retail business to um, you name it. And then even from a, from a, you know, if you look at all the motors and um, assets that are running in a building, you can start to, you know, monitor those assets, predictive maintenance on the asset and, and overall reduce the cost. So um, it just gives that, you know, the, the, the systems and the solutions are endless from that point of view. So I don't know if I answered all your questions, but... Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, a wealth of you know different applications that different companies are utilizing it for. Definitely, definitely. It, well, you, you mentioned five G there, and I, I wanted to bring that up because maybe some people might look at this and say, "Why? Why should I deploy this now when five G is kind of becoming a bigger and bigger thing?" Right? Uh, is how would you respond to that? Can Can you deploy LTE now and then migrate towards five G in the future? Just uh, what, what are your thoughts on that particular issue? Yeah, absolutely. We have customers that are, you know, starting with LTE and that's mainly because, you know, you know, a year ago the ecosystem was there. Um they had tested against, you know, the end devices um from an end to end perspective and they were very comfortable with the solution and it and it delivered everything that they needed. But of course they want investment protection. And so the systems that we deploy today that are on LTE can you know be updated by software for 5g when they want to move forward with their 5g we have other customers that go straight to 5g because the, the ecosystem is there um that meets their needs and they you know they know what's coming in the next months to to nine months to a year um, so they're absolutely focused on starting with 5g um so yeah uh, the it, it all depends on the unique circumstances, and that's one of the benefits of you know, four G, three G, four G, five G, and who knows when six G comes along. In in general, the you know all of that those devices they start to move all the way through that ecosystem. It's not a dead end investment, right? So, you know, there's still three G devices that are out there today. They still work on the networks, but they're four G and they're five G. Are coming down the pipe, right? So, um, so because of it's a it's a global standard, because of what three GPP does, 
um, there's there's generally a you know it's not a dead end work investment, right? There's been other technologies that are out there, um, and if I compare like 4G and 5G against LoRa, right, which is which is a technology that some use, it's a very low data rate um, application, right? So there is no evolution to high speed or um, so it, it meets the needs of one particular use case, but then it's, you know, you're putting it in there, you have a, you know, a wireless attribute that's only doing, you know, a very narrow scope of capabilities. Whereas if you put in a 4G, 5G, you can do everything the Loran does all the way up to, you know, high speed bandwidth. Um, so WiMAX was another, right, that was, was around in one day, but didn't have that evolution. So with 4G and 5G, you know, there is a lot of investment protection for the, for the enterprise. So I know that there are uh, potentially other solutions out there on the market. What makes private wireless uh, a better solution than, say, something like Wi-Fi or something along those lines? Yeah, so Wi-Fi, one of the biggest limitations that are there, right, is in terms of reliability. Like we've all been in like, the coffee shop where you, you just can't get your throughput, right? Um, and so one of the things that we can do with a 4G, 5G network is we can prioritize different types of traffic. And so, you know, the, the IT manager can set their policy and, you know, the mission critical data that's required for running an application, it gets, obviously we get a higher priority than somebody surfing the web or doing some simple research right through the network. So it gives you that flexibility there. The other one's security. Um, they're inherently more secure, the 4G, 5G networks. And then multi-user, right, um, capacity. And then from a mobility perspective, these systems were built for mobility. So as you move across, you know, the building to the different parts of a factory or the mine itself, you have um, very strong mobility that your, you know, your system, you know, maintains its connectivity and um Therefore, it's it's running through the network. You know, some of the early lines that were done with Wi-Fi, the trucks would be down more than they were up because of you know they lose connection and from a safety point of view they stop. And we put in a four G five G network, and not only because of coverage, right? We can have a lot higher coverage um, of the network, so they might have had you know thirty, you know end device, 30 hotspots, whereas we put in, you know, four or three to get full coverage. And and so um, the reliability of the overall network has a huge impact into, you know, the the uptime manufacturing of whatever, whatever industry is being looked at. So, um, so yeah, you want to make sure that from an operational point of view, the network you're putting in there is you know, very, you know, very robust, reliable uh, needs the needs and that we're just seeing hand over hand. As soon as companies start working with 4G and 5G, they, they, they see the benefits immediately over a Wi-Fi solution. So, Sean, we've had a, a, a pretty wide-ranging conversation here today uh, about all things private wireless, and, and you've spoken a little bit towards the growth that you see in the future, but, but let's finish our conversation there today. What is the long-term growth potential for this technology? What do you see coming in the future? <laughs> That's a good one. 
I mean, if we look at automated systems, right, um, it's estimated by 2025, it's something like 3.8 terabits. I mean, um, what, billions, 3.8 trillion, sorry, right, of economic impact around the industries as they, you know, put in automation. And so, um, you know, we started with mining, but we're seeing, I see factories, the retail side of the business, um, work sites, um, construction work sites. I see these as huge growth in the next coming years, right? Um, we've deport, deployed today in a number of ports. Um, you can imagine the logistics of ports coming in and out, containers coming up and down, right? Rearranging, um, you know, the port never looks similar from one day to the next. Um, and so the RF capabilities around 4G and 5G just give you that, you know, further benefits. And so I honestly see a very, um, very strong growth in this area over the next, you know, three years as more and more industries, you know, really start to invest and see the benefits. Um, and and start to to bring the solutions to the table that meet their needs. I see, you know, I think I spoke to it a little bit earlier. We can provide connectivity, but I see in my area more and more working with you know small medium businesses as they bring strong solutions to the table that meet their customers' needs. So I'm excited. I think it's a huge, diverse capability that's going to be coming to the table, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, it's an exciting time, and I, I like the way that you detailed um, the things that you're expecting to see in the future, the future growth that you're expected to see. And I think that that just uh, continues to increase excitement and um, and to let everyone know it's, a, it's an exciting time to be part of the industry. Sean Sparling, VP of Enterprise for Nokia Canada. Sean, thank you so much for joining us here on Nokia today and uh, giving us some insight into uh, into private wireless. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Nokia Today. We appreciate it very much. Of course, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, make sure to go subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts these days, go and uh, subscribe to the show to stay up to date with the latest from the experts at Nokia. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes. But for my guest today, Sean Sparling, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.